Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Passion and Purpose podcast. I'm so excited to be back for our half season, our in-between season, our officially called season 1.5. As you know, we are thinking about uh, launching season two in 2022. That's not an absolute guarantee, but it's a pretty good bet. But in the meantime, we wanted to get some episodes in as we're headed back to the Benz, Mercedes-Benz Stadium for Passion 2022. 18 to 25-year-olds gathered together in Jesus' name in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia on January 2nd and 3rd. And I'm so pumped to have the opportunity to have these conversations with my friends who are going to be leading in that moment. And today... I'm really excited to have a conversation with one of the greatest communicators on planet Earth right now and a leader in our house at Passion City Church, the leader of Passion City Church DC, none other than Ben Stewart. So welcome to the Passion and Purpose podcast. Well, thank you very much. I am honored to be here, Pastor Louie, and I'm excited about it. <laughs> I'm excited. You know, A, I want people to know about the Ben's. Yes. It's not just another thing. It's been two years since we've had an in-person passion conference. Yes. And the first uh, moment we were in the bins on New Year's Eve 2020 was epic. And, you know, we overuse our superlatives a lot these days, but (laughs) epic is not being overused in that sense at all. You could put all the superlatives around the days that we spent there. It was just phenomenal. And it's been a minute since we've been back, and we're using this language like the lightning struck there, but the thunder clap is coming yeah. on January 2nd and 3rd, and I believe that. I really do believe what we've been through on planet Earth has been, in a lot of ways, for our generation, unprecedented, and it's going to be great to be able to look around that stadium and see one voice being lifted up, the name of Jesus. Absolutely. Well, we feel it in church, people getting back together, struggle to find the words around, we need to be together. And particularly in this context in the world today, it's like, how do we put language around the physical proximity to other humans, the power of that? And to think about being with other people from around the country, around the world, together around a singular purpose, the greatest of all purposes, it's it, you struggle to find the words to go yeah. like oh it's kind of like this You're like no it's not kind of like anything it's kind of like nothing you've ever been a part of so you should make this a priority. Well, somehow SEC football has dodged COVID. I don't know exactly how. <laughs> exactly. I was at the Auburn Georgia game a few weeks ago with the Auburn football team, and standing down on the sideline looking around at Jordan Hare Stadium in Auburn, Alabama, and I mean the place is jammed out. Yeah. Every seat, yeah. people shoulder to shoulder, screaming their lungs out. And I just was like, A, I don't know how, but college football dodged a bullet here. <laughs> and B, what if everyone in this stadium was lifting up the name of Jesus? What if this yeah. wasn't a, hey, I'm Auburn, or I'm Georgia, or I'm here for the game, but what if everyone in this stadium was here for the renown of Jesus? And yeah. you don't get too many moments like that in life. No. To, everyone's been at a stadium, and right now a lot of people are in college football games, but it's not often that you get to be in a stadium like that mm-hmm. where it's Jesus' name that's on every single lip. Yeah. Man, especially I think for many people in college and university settings, 
the pursuit of God, to really know Him, yeah. can feel like an isolating experience. And I experienced that even at A&M, which people laugh when I say that. <laughs> like, I was a freshman at A&M going, am I the only one, God? And I just hadn't been invited to Breakaway yet. But, you know, I just know that experience of how jarring it can be to go, this is my call, and if I walk with the Lord, I'm probably walking alone or or walking on a much narrower road. And so to enter a room and go, but I'm not alone. And I'm standing with thousands of people who are making the same choice I did. The um, Before a message is spoken, before a song is sung, the, the courage it puts back in your heart is, again, hard to quantify. And that was my experience and the experience I've heard from so many others. And that's what I want for people. So um, I didn't expect to like market so hard for, but I'm just, <laughs> obviously I'm passionate about it. This isn't like, you know, it's like I've watched that happen. This is an extremely important experience for people um, to, to feel in an instant, to feel it in your in the arm, the hair on your arms. I'm not alone in the world. Yeah. You know, I, I we're going to get back to Passion 2022 before we wrap up this conversation, and we're going to get into a few other topics. But I agree with you. And, you know, A&M is unique. Mm-hmm. I mean, Breakaway, your time there was not unusual for 10,000 students to show up at a Bible study. So right. that's weird. Um, <laughs> Auburn, Georgia, um, there are a lot of schools in our part of the world that there are just lots of followers of Jesus there. What level yes. of commitment they have, maybe that's to be discussed. But I've been on campuses where there are less than 100 followers yeah. of Jesus on yes. the whole campus or less than a dozen followers of Jesus. Yeah. And so that's the student. If you're listening or you know that student or you're the parent of that student, get them to the bends. Because, yes, the messages will be incredible. God will speak. God will move. The Holy Spirit will touch lives. The worship moments will be transformational. But it is just walking in the door and realizing I'm not a unicorn. Yeah. You know, I'm looking around at an entire stadium full of people who look just like me. Yeah. And they are holding the Scriptures as dear as I am. They're holding the Savior as dear as I hold Him. They're trying to elevate their purpose in life to a higher altitude of something that really matters Mm -hmm. in eternity. And wow, I had no idea that I was a part of an army like this. Yeah. And so I want to ask you about church. Uh, You're obviously leading our house in D.C., Passion City Church, D.C. You guys were cranking before... (laughs) The world shut you down, yeah. and D.C. got shut down. I mean, of all the places that got shut down, I think D.C. was yeah. the um, the all-star prize winner <laughs> for being shut down the hardest and the longest. You couldn't do much for a while, yeah. but yet the church survived and thrived, and um, now you're back up and running and going full speed. W- what's your take on the status of the local church on the whole? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think it's got rattled and shaken by all the things of the last year. But I'll tell you, I don't—this is going to sound hyperbolic, but I just don't think there's a better time in our lifetime to be the church. You know, Why do you say that? Because we have it. You know, there's people looking for purpose. Like, I'm surrounded by young professionals, and you just see it. Meaninglessness stalks 
the young person. They're trying to find a, a career, a job, a certain amount of fame or money or success or power to give them a sense of meaning in life. And they either get it and say, I'm, I still feel insecure and hollow inside, or they don't get it and go, but I'm tired of chasing and chasing in a world that even if I get it, what does it matter? And, and so we have a sense of purpose that can fill the human soul. And you see that, like we have a better story and we have structure. People are just like, man, I don't know how to structure my life. Like what is true? What is real anymore? And you go, we have that. Like our explanations of reality fit with what is. And we have community. People are desperately alone and hurting. And what we have as a community, that's, you know, John would summarize Jesus by saying he was full of grace and truth. And I go, that's us. Like the church is filled with grace. Like we will love you no matter where you're coming from, what's happened in your life, what you're in the part of now, there's love for you. And there's truth, there's clarity in the midst of the cloudiness of life. So I just look and I'm like, we have it, man. All these crutches have been kicked away, but we have the answer. The church is built for moments like this. And I look for the believer and I'm like, hey, there's all these passages in the New Testament that will now make so much more sense. Like when we read them and Peter's like, oh, don't be surprised when these fiery trials are happening. You're like, these are fiery trials. Wait, don't be surprised. And like suddenly we have a way to go. The church has been under duress and challenge yeah. and persecution for generations and shown and did good and and survived. And survived. And so it's exhausting and it's hard. But um, but I have so much hope because I go, what we're doing is so important. And it's there's nothing more important than what we're doing. I love that you and Donna landed in DC. We had a few cities that we were considering, and I kind of left the choice up to you and more specifically up to Donna because she's raising your kids and you yeah. together are raising your kids. But yeah. I, I knew, and Shelly and I knew, that if Donna didn't feel like she could raise her family in XYZ City, it wasn't going to work. Right. And so you guys visited this city. It's not that one. You went to this one. It's not that one. Yeah. Went to another one. It's not that one. And then you went to DC kind of on a whim and something struck and you were like, oh my goodness, we didn't see this coming, but this is our city. Yeah. What struck Yeah. and what has uh, surprised you or really fulfilled you now that you are you know, you've been in D.C. a long time in D.C. years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're an old-timer. I've aged rapidly. Yeah, you've made it through a, a couple of administrations already. That's true. Yeah. Um, I would say one of the flashes of moments where we were sitting in the car, parked in the city, and I looked around, and I was older than everyone I could see. And then we wow. went to dinner that night, and I looked around, and I told Donna, I was like, look around. We are the oldest people in this town. <laughs> and then you start to run the numbers. Like, I sat with a senator, and I was like, how many staff do you have? And he had over 100. And I said, what percentage are millennials or younger? And he was like, all, all of them. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And he was like, yeah, we have an old versus young basketball game, and old is 30. <laughs> I was like, okay. And so then you start to run the numbers, and you go, this town is filled with young people that through all their worldly possessions in their four-door vehicle and drove up here because they're true believers. So people tend to think of like the cynical DC and you're like, no, this what's filling the city this is all these dream. young people living in a matchbook of an apartment because they're there because they want to make a difference mm-hmm. and all those dreams haven't been crushed yet. And so you look and you go, these are 
Educated, motivated young people. These aren't horses you have to kick to get moving, but they're missing some of the biggest story. They're missing the biggest story in life. They're missing some key pieces of what they're meant to be. And I'm like, this is a worthy place to lay your life down for me, for us. And then people start adding up all the difficulties. Ah, it's a transient town. People move. And I'm like, okay, like I've been in a college town. Like I know that. And I realized, hey, some of the opportunities here fit right in line with the DNA of passion, the DNA of Ben and Donna. Some of the obstacles aren't insurmountable. Maybe God's been building us for these all along. So I would have never guessed DC. Like we left Ben's map a long time ago, but I look and see how God's led us. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. I get it. You know, so we, can I tell one quick story? Like, you know, after we said yes, um, you probably remember this. You know, I went to uh, meet with a friend of ours who was the chief of staff of a senator. And I just asked him the blank question, like, how can we serve your people? Like, what can we do to serve you as a church? He was like, nobody knows how to date. He said, the relationships are a mess in this town. So do you think you'll talk about that? And, you know, I had just written the book on dating for as a college minister. And I was like, yeah, I think I can speak to that. And then like a month later, I got invited to speak at the Senate to their staff on dating. And I remember growing up, I had a pastor that used to say like, if I'm ever invited to the Capitol, this will be my message. And it was usually like Jeremiah, Revelation. (laughs) And I was like, who would have written this story? Hey, go to college, talk about dating. That will be the key into the capital of the United States of America. And I was like, okay, God, I... I'm going to quit trying to steer like you steer, but it's an absolutely motivational group of young people to be around. And I, we love it. Single dating, engaged, married. That's the book. (laughs) And it really has taken off like a rocket. It's been so fun to watch and just to be alongside you as you launch that book out into the Mm -hmm. world and watching it land in people's lives and has been hugely successful. Mm. So congratulations on Thank that. You. Yeah. It's a great start um, for that message to go far. But now that we're down the road, so you're not single, you're not dating, you're engaged. You're only in the last category of the single dating, engaged, married. But what are some things, Ben, that all the way from the time that you and Donna were dating yeah. to now that are consistent gold standard these are things you've got to understand if you're going to have a successful relationship, a meaningful relationship, find the person you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and you know, that's the, the pushback early on when people are like, that dating's not in the Bible. You're like, no, it's not. A, a lot of the marriages were arranged. Pickleball is not in the Bible either, though, but yeah. I played yesterday. We'll see. There it is. My first song. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to ask Slightly you more about category. that. Yeah. But... Uh, But you look at Proverbs, and it's all about evaluation of what kind of person you should link up with the rest of your life. You're like, no, the Bible, it transcends cultures and changes. And so there are some unique challenges in the world today. The the advent of social media and texting and this technological rush that's still only 14 years old has had massive implications, complicated things for young people. And I run into those complications daily, the damage they've done in some people. But to your point, some things never change. Like, um, I would say you really need to get a relationship with God, right? Before you get a relationship with a guy or girl, right? Or else you'll come to them to meet needs they can't meet. And, And you'll end up without trying to, 
being a drain instead of a fountain. And there's so many movies where it's the girl that helps the guy fix all the broken parts of him or, or, or women. If I can find this guy, and you're, that person can't do that. They can't be the God who heals you. They're supposed to be the person you grip hands with and run forever. So I do think you need to get the relationship with God right first. And then as you enter into meeting people, I think you have to be running the same direction in life. You have to have the same cause. That doesn't mean the same career, but the same big cause. Because what you value determines your values, which shape decisions, which shape a life. And when you see people get divorced today, they usually say, oh, our lives went different directions. You go, what does that mean? That doesn't mean he's a lawyer, she's a librarian or something. What you mean is like fundamental, deep values were in a different place. And so you you have to get that right first. And so I think that is key. Are we on the same cause? And do they have character? Can I trust you? Because who cares how technology changes? If you lie to me, I can't trust you. Mm -hmm. And you won't go to bed and feel safe. If you go, I don't know if that person's anger is going to come raging at me. I don't know if they're going to stab me in the back. Like They have to have character. And then you have to have chemistry. Do I like you? If I don't like hanging out with you, that's what marriage is for the re- till, till one of you dies. So I think I mean, those are like the constellations to navigate by. We have the same cause. Do they have a godly character I can trust that they'll continue to love me even when I'm at my worst? And uh, do we have chemistry? Uh, do you make me laugh? Do I enjoy talking to you? Like I was looking forward to talking to Donna today. I'm like, that's good this far into marriage that I'm, that I'm looking forward to seeing you. That, that's a win. <laughs> If somebody's listening right now, and they are, and they, they've just paused on that phrase, if, if you're trying to get the person to meet a need in you mm-hmm. that God was created to meet, and they went, ooh, that's where I am. I don't yeah. have this foundation with God, but I have this person squarely in my story. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to jettison them now, or how do I find God and get God in that spot when I've already got somebody else in that spot. I know they're not meeting the need, yeah. but they're there. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say two things. Number one, you see in Song of Solomon, the woman infatuated with the man right away. I mean, the, the book starts with, let him kiss me with a kiss of his mouth, because she's excited. She's like, I want to kiss this guy. And so she's infatuated. Infatuation is good healthy, but it also messes with the valuation, which is what dating does. It throws you all off. You, you see only their benefits. You overlook some of their uh, idiosyncrasies. And so in the book, the man speaks, the woman speaks, and the woman's friends speak, which, you know, is, that's life. You want to be her lover, got to get with her friends. But what her friends say is, rightly, do the maidens love you? And what you see is they're not infatuated with him. They're not. They're evaluating his character. Like their chemicals aren't thrown off. They're not like, ooh, they're just looking at him like, are you the right person for her to feel this crazy about? Are you the right person for her to trust? Like, are you going to take care of her? And, and you need godly, mature people around you to help you evaluate. And so you just have to know that about yourself. I can't fully trust this infatuation. Let me get wise people around me. So you may need to get some, get into your church and get involved and get wise counsel around you to say, will you look at this relationship from the angles I don't want to see? And will you speak the truth to me even when you know I don't want to hear it? And then in that, the second thing I would say is you have to make a decision to walk with the Lord. That's your call to make. It's your life. And you hope everyone will go with you, but they may not. But as for me, 
I'm going to serve the Lord. And then you just see who else comes with you. And what happens when you make that decision is you'll look to your left and right and God will bring you friends. God will bring you mentors. And he'll bring you oftentimes someone to marry. But will the person you're with now go with you? You don't know that. But you have to get first things first. And God comes first. I know it's not foolproof. There are no, you know... There's no ABC way to find the right person for your life or God's person for your life or a person for your life. But I do know that I've heard more than once, and it was true in my life, um, that when you are satisfied in God at such a degree that you're like, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. In this season of life, I'm not looking to date. I'm not looking for somebody. I'm good. Yeah. That is a prime spot. Yeah. For the right person to come on the horizon of yeah. your life. And I've heard that story from multiple people. You know, I was just in a season where I was not dating or I was not looking, I was not interested. Yeah. I was so growing uh, in my relationship with God. And then, boom, there he was or there she was. Yeah. Is that uh, a principle that's almost a principle or? No, I think it, it, well, let's put it at the most pragmatic nature. Is it? it liberates you from anxiety and self-absorption. You know, people can tell when they're yeah. with someone who's desperately trying to impress them. And that does not like, oh, I love the way he's desperately trying to make me like him. Like, that's not a lovable characteristic. So if you can internally be at peace with yourself, God guides my story, I'm okay. Then when I come into a moment with you, I'm not like, but I desperately need you to like me to feel good about myself. Like you're liberated from all that. So when I run into you, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to bless you. Wow. And suddenly the one another's of scripture open up. Like what's my job with a fellow believer? It's to serve them, encourage them, speak to one another in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. So when I sit down with you, I'm just like, how are you doing? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, that's cool. Hey, have you met this person? You should do. And then you're just talking. And then as you do that, you're actually exchanging ideas and talking about a subject. You suddenly go, you like a lot of the same things I do. And you know what? And I like you. And well, look at that. You happen to be hot. And you know, and then you you go down this path of discovery. Um, and so yeah, I think that sense of um, stability in a relationship with God liberates you to be a blessing in others' lives. And that's why that happens, what you're discussing. If this is really speaking to you, the book is Single Dating, Engaged, (laughs) Married. And I couldn't recommend it more highly, but I'm excited that there's a brand new Ben Stewart book on the horizon coming really fast. We're going to talk about that in just a minute as we wrap up today. But coming back to the Bens and... The idea that there are tens of thousands of people who've already staked their place in the bins, which is stunning, given that we're kind of going a little bit against the current. We decided to go to the bins six months out from the conference. That's not really good planning (laughs) and not a great business model, but we feel like God's leading us back to the bins now. Yeah. And people are responding and saying, I want to be a part of that. I want to be there. A lot of people, Ben, it will be their very first time at Passion. Yeah. And I know they're going to have their minds blown because God always comes through with something I didn't see coming. Yeah. And last uh, time in 2020 was that moment when the roof opened Mm -hmm. after it got stuck the first time we tried (laughs) to open it in the morning session. And then finally we got a guy in Michigan (laughs) on FaceTime who knew how to unstick it. And um, I say we. Yeah, uh, someone did. And it opens right at the perfect moment yeah. in this song that Carrie Job is singing and leading that she's never led before. 
And it creates, uh, I think we've told this story before, yeah. but the reason why they couldn't open it earlier is because the temperature differential, it was winter. So if you open it when the temperature outside is below a certain number, it will create a vortex <laughs> and a 60 mile an hour windstorm inside the stadium and subsequently <laughs> blow all of the staging over. It feels bad. So finally it warmed up enough outside and we hit the magic number. We hit open during Sean Curran's set and it opened 17 inches and then jammed <laughs> and no one could unjam it. So hours later, they finally got it unjammed. It opens, created a moment. The wind fortunately didn't blow 60 miles an hour, but it was blowing 30 miles an hour. Yeah. It yeah. was unbelievable. Yeah. And it just created a moment and a moment I'll never forget. God's mm. spirit seemed to settle on people's hearts. And at the end of that session, there was a break of maybe 20 to 30 minutes for people just to get out of their seats, go to the restroom, whatever. And a lot of people didn't move. Went nowhere. And there was just a holy hush. Yeah. That's Well, that wasn't on the set list. That wasn't on the run sheet. That wasn't, oh, and at this point, the roof will finally open and God will move and a holy hush will settle and it yeah. will f- feel and, and be a moment like nothing you've experienced. Yeah. So for people that are coming for the first time, what's one thing you want them to know <laughs> before they walk in the door? Yeah. Uh, um. I, I had two things come to mind. Do I have to choose? Uh, number one, I would say just is um, there is an infinite difference between looking at a picture of the Grand Canyon and standing in the midst of wow, the immensity of it. And it's hard yeah. to put words around that. But there's value in watching the messages of passion online, but there's an entirely different value of of far greater worth to being in the space. And um, to your point, I mean, for me, my passion story was coming in the 90s when I was a college kid. And this is the person, here's why I want to say this is because I'm thinking about somebody here who's thinking about going and, but I probably wouldn't invite that friend. Like I got the flyer and was like, I don't know what this is. I got invited to go and was like, I don't think I'm going to go. I got told I had to go and still didn't want to go. Then I didn't have any money. Then someone paid my way to go. Then I showed up and fell asleep in my seat, which was the very last row at the very back of the entire arena. And then in the following morning session, the speaker said one sentence that just knocked a crack in some assumptions I had. And he did it so easily. I was like, oh, wow, a deeply held assumption of mine just got seriously challenged relatively easily. <laughs> and then <laughs> that night, the person speaking spoke to some issues that were areas of such deep pain in my life. Uh, I was embarrassingly weeping in the back. And then a worship session rushed in in a moment and I realized I'm not the only one dealing. There's a room full of us. And there was just this powerful ushering in of the opportunity to just receive grace. And then to walk right out of that and to sit down with people from multiple colleges around the U.S. and process it gave me the ability to go, you know, 
there's some uniquenesses to our story and this encourages the heck out of me. And then there's opportunities I have that you don't. And there's challenges you have that I don't. And I'm getting to process this with my generation. This is my generation's turn to do this. And the only part of that that could be replicated now is like not being there is to listen on, on a screen. And that's not the same. And being able to meet with my generation and process my life I just, uh, I didn't see it coming. I wasn't looking for it. I was planning on going somewhere else. So if you have a friend that you're like, I probably wouldn't invite that guy. I was that guy. And now I'm sitting here and your guy might be sitting here in a few years. I just don't know. And you don't know. But the thought of that, the potential in those seats um, blows my mind. And to know how many friends I have that are serving the Lord now that we're in moments like that with me together is pretty inspiring. So I hope everyone knows that. You can't replicate it on a screen and uh, you have no idea what the Lord may do when he gets a generation together for his fame. I love that. We are, you know, just literally weeks away now from this moment and the expectation is as big as ever. Even, you know, I remember the conference you're talking about, obviously, we had no clue what was going to happen. This is pre-internet, <laughs> yeah. um, pre-digital everything. And you you said, I got the flyer. People I are going to have to ask somebody. I, somebody just said, he, they got the what? He got what the what? The mean? flyer. What is yeah. the flyer? Um, but that same expectation we had in 97 coming in to the yeah. very first gathering in Austin, that same expectation is in our hearts now. Yes. Because I know the power and the transformation that happens in those seats and in hearts of people. And people are going to get saved. People's lives are going to get interrupted in the very best way. I think about Marla Rudd, who might be listening right now. And she was in that gathering, 97, came to the last session. And we had a response time for people who felt called to go outside of America and be a missionary. Yeah. And it really wasn't even, it wasn't a missions conference. I don't think there was a message on missions. Yeah. I just know that God loves all the people on planet Earth. And if you get around God, you're going to get a heartbeat for all the people on planet Earth at some point. Yeah. And so out of the 2,000 people, we said, hey, if you feel like God's touched your life in a significant way in these days and you want to say yes, you don't even know what the yes is to. You just want to be a part of the people on planet Earth hearing the gospel. And Marla was a student at Texas Tech. Mm. She stood up right there in that gathering, and this very moment while we're talking, she's living in Japan with her husband, Come on, um, serving the largest single unreached people group possibly uh, as far as nation status is concerned. Japan, the entire country, yeah. is an unreached people group. Yeah. And she's been serving there all these years. Yeah. And so I believe God will interrupt people's lives, but in the very best way. Yeah. And put things back together again. And that's the hope. If if somebody said to you or asked you, Ben, what, what is the deal with passion? Because I know we're not the only thing God's doing on planet Earth. Right. We're a tiny grain of sand on the beaches of what God's doing on this earth. Yeah. But what's different about passion? Uh, that's a great question. I think what captured me was the the invitation to see the immensity of God and not rush past that. We live in such a, I know, I know, I know culture. And you're like, no, I don't know that you do. Like, just pause for a moment. And to stop and think about the immensity of who the Lord is settles so many fears. Wow. It, it, 
it right sizes a lot of the, our concerns and it stabilizes mm-hmm. you. There's a stability that comes with the fear of the Lord. And I just think having a huge God, and Passion's always done a good job of that, of that's where we're aiming the spotlight. That's where we're aiming our voices. There's a sense of reverence for that. And, and the level of care about that reverence always startled me. Like, oh, they're really serious about this. And then once you stare long enough, you go, this God loves me and is worthy of my life. That God is worthy of my life. And he gave his life for me. And so a big God worthy of all of me, you go, that is such a compelling vision. And he's inviting me to be a part of this story with all the gifts I come and bring to bear. That is so motivating that I want everyone to know that. And for people to feel a sense of meaninglessness in the world today, I'm like, no, there is profound meaning for you. There's the greatest of all stories. And and the most fascinating thing is it's true and it's not wishful thinking and it fits with reality. I just think there's nothing more motivational than that. And I think people are desperate for more. And uh, I think we have, we're handing them something pure and simple what Paul called the pure and simple devotion to Christ. And I want people to know what that feels like because it'll stabilize them in any storm. It'll motivate them in any purpose. I want them to have it. The new book is called, drum roll, please. (laughs) Are you ready, people? (laughs) It's called Rest and War. And I know for you, there's a sense, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that it's a life message for you or yeah. a life work, if you will. Mm-hmm. And man, you have you have crafted this book pretty thoroughly. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a good way of saying, I think your manuscript was late, but um, <laughs> you, yeah. you poured a lot of you into this book because yeah. what's in this book has shaped you yes in a significant way so tell people why you wrote it and what your hope is through the message yeah that's great uh and thank you i i think of something a friend told donna not that long ago he said my job is to equip people to walk elegantly through the battlefield of life and when i heard that i was like that's what this is life is extraordinarily hard and by the grace of God, I have been equipped to walk elegantly through it. I, I have through mentors that helped me realize, yeah, it's a struggle, but you can make progress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a war without and a war within, but you can experience substantive victory. Mm. And I think there was a fear in my life that um, the tragedies in my past will dominate my story and just realizing they don't have to, that there's substantial gains that can be made in life is was motivating. And so through a series of mentors and learning and unlearning some things and growing, I just found, man, I want to give people what was given to me, a field guide for the spiritual life. This wow. is how to walk with God. So I think there's a place for inspirational messages of you can do it and we need those. But if you just get a group of soldiers together and say, you can do it, but they don't like know how to reload their M4, like this isn't going to go good. You know, so I realized for me, I'm like, there's a motivational element, but it's also deeply instructional. Here's how to walk with God. And I, I'm realizing with a lot of the young people I intersect with, um, they desperately want the how. 
Like, give me the what I'm supposed to live for. Okay, now tell me how to do it. Yeah. How does the eternal touch the mundane? How does all the glory of God fit into the day-to-day? So this is my best effort to help them with that. And I could go on and on, but that's a short story. What's one key? Uh, you just finished the audio book, so the book's pretty fresh on your mind. It is. And what's one key thing that stood out to you reading the book uh, in the last couple of days as you were just moving through it is was there a moment where you were like whoa yeah and uh, you know i wrote that i edited that i rewrote it i've known it i've taught on it but just hearing that sentence or those sentences come out of my mouth really really hit me hard yeah i can't wait for people to see this hear this bite into this yeah yeah i would say you know James was talking about temptation at one point, and then he says, at the end of temptation, it'll bring forth death. Like, it's going to take you someplace you don't want to go. And then he says, don't be deceived. So he's telling you, temptation is going to end in destruction, but it starts with deception. But then he doesn't say, don't be deceived, like, hey, adultery is really a bad idea, or hey, you may want to not drink that much. He doesn't look downstream. He says, don't be deceived. Every good and perfect gift comes from your father. And he's like, look, the lie that's going to launch a million sins is that God is not a father who loves for you. Wow. Uh, and, and so what struck me reading it again was I wrote the paragraph, what's the worst thing you could do to Ben Stewart? And it would be to cup the face of my little daughter and look at her and say, man, your dad's disappointed in you. Man, he just, he doesn't care. He, uh, um, he don't want to be around you. It'd be better if you just went somewhere else. Like that's, that is a profoundly evil thing to do. And that is exactly what the enemy does mm. to us. He says, your God's not going to look out for you. Eve, you're going to have to take that fruit into your own hands because he's holding out on you. Hey, you're going to have to compromise your dating because his rules are going to thwart you. Hey, you're going to have to go your own way because he's not going to take care of you. Hey, you follow him. You're going to lose your friends, lose your career, lose your life. The enemy just keeps aiming his lies at your sonship. But you undo that lie and you save yourself from untold shrapnel in your life. And so reading that, I was like, I want you to get this, that the lies are aimed at your sonship. And you get that right that I'm fought for, you become a good fighter. When you know the, the Lord fought for mm. you, it's Goliath must fall, man. You know, once you know, hey, the king fought for me, mm. that'll make you cry a war cry, and you can fight too. Wow, the book is uh, Rest in War. It's coming out the 1st of 2022. Yes, it I'm is. I'm sure probably can get a uh, pre-release copy or order one at the bends somehow, I hope. I think so. But um, watch out for it. I think it's going to be a game changer. It's going to be one of those books, I believe, Ben, that people have on their their bookshelf for the rest of their life. Yeah. yeah it's not going to be one of those vacation reads where people are like, oh, it was incredible. That was awesome. That was a really good book. You should read it. But it's going to be one of those that's sitting right there, yeah. kind of in the classic category of, I go back to that book Man. time and time again. Yeah. So we're pumped. Thanks for putting all the effort and energy into it. Man. Well, thank you for the opportunity, and um, I'm grateful for you, love you, and I'm glad to be tucking in behind where you're leading us uh, in 2022. Well, I'm excited you're going to be preaching um, at the Benz. Mm-hmm. I'm pumped to hear what God brings through you and excited. Our team's really unified. I love that all the speakers 
Um, where it's not just people showing up and going, oh, this is on my calendar. What is it? Oh, it's passion. What time do I speak? When's my session? Yeah. Uh, people, you know, kind of ducking in and ducking out. Although there's nothing wrong with that. I sometimes have to do that as well. But I love that we're already in communication together yeah. uh, months before the conference. We've got time scheduled to be together, to yeah. think together, pray together, dream together. So we're coming in there as a team, yes, not just as a bunch of speakers showing up to something. And that's right. I really am excited that you're going to be a part of it. And if you're out there listening and you're 18 to 25 years old and you're not planning on being in the bins, then Ben and I want to know why. <laughs> and so I'm sure there's a good reason. And if it's an uber, uber good reason, like you're getting married that day, actually, that's not a good enough reason. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's still time to move your wedding. <laughs> But uh, I do know people who've come to their honeymoon at the Benz, uh, or at least the Georgia Dome. There was come a couple on. got married like on a Tuesday and came to Passion on Wednesday night. That's fantastic. And uh, spent the first two or three days of their honeymoon at Passion. I don't think that's a terrible idea either. Um, but Passion2022.com, that's where all the information is. And yeah. folks like Ben, myself, Christine Kane, Jenny Allen, Sadie Robertson, Levi, KB, um, we're about announcing some other guests joining our team okay. actually in just okay. a day or two. Yeah. So it's going to be amazing, but it's all about Jesus. That's the main thing. Yeah. It's about this God that you described earlier, who is really beyond description. Mm-hmm. We use all the language we can, yeah. but it's not enough. We sing all the melodies we can write, but they're not enough. No. He's greater. He's bigger. He's more extraordinary than we can really fully know. And he is worth our lives. This is the Passion and Purpose podcast. I believe that is our purpose in life, is to know Him, enjoy Him, to make Him known, to bring Him glory. And I pray that all of us will be in that slipstream together. So thanks again for being on. Ben Stewart, everybody. If you don't know Ben, check him out, Passion DC podcast. You can hear his messages, Single Dating, Engaged Married, Rest in War coming soon. Going to be speaking at Passion 2022. Pumped. Hope to see all of you there. Man, I love the conversation with Ben Stewart, and I love that guy. What an amazing communicator, teacher, preacher, leader, and so great having him on with us today. I hope you enjoyed the conversation, and I'm so glad you're on the journey with us on the Passion and Purpose podcast. If you're thinking about coming to Passion, A, you need to make that decision an affirmative today. And if uh, price is an issue for you, or even if it's not, I've got good news for you. I have a promo code that you can use to get $20 off your registration for Passion 2022. Just put PODCAST, all caps, in the promo code box and 20 bucks off your ticket to Passion. That's pretty great. Thanks, Passion and Purpose Podcast and whoever's making that available. So grateful. I hope to see you in the bins. That's what this season 1.5 is all about. We are on our way back to the bins. Look forward to seeing you on our next episode.